Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosso. It gives me great pleasure to welcome, for the first time actually, I think, to Viewpoints, Deborah Patterson. Deborah's uh, just published a book. It came out actually officially yesterday. It's been around a little longer, but it, uh, and I've had the good fortune to have had it uh, for a little while to read now. Passion, Guts and Leadership, an A to Z for the Unconventional Education Leader. And it's been published by Amber Press in Melbourne, and you can get it now. Now, Deborah was in education for 46 years. 22 of those years she served as a principal in schools across Melbourne, Australia, and Deborah's also held various volunteering positions and has received numerous accolades for her work, presentations, leadership, an experienced leader, coach, mentor, teacher and writer and presenter. Welcome uh, welcome to Viewpoints, Deborah Patterson. Woo, yes, it's a pleasure to be here, Harry. Gee, I, read my, I listened to you as you read all those accolades and, gee, she was a very busy woman. <laughs> she was a very busy woman and she achieved one hell of a lot. Now, Deborah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get straight to the thing that caught me on the front cover of uh, the page of the book, the front cover page, an A to Z for the unconventional educational leader. Clearly, that's a deliberate, um, a deliberate uh, definition of who you want. Uh, why the unconventional educational leader? Well, Henry, as you know, I'm anything but conventional. And as you, as we, we start our teaching profession, we we run things, we teach, we we educate those around us. And I was gradually going up the ladder of, um, you know, towards becoming a principal. But there were, I, I was outgoing. I was very um, extrovert. I was probably loudmouth. I I believed in having. Um, teaching and education should be fun. So um, I exude that, those sort of qualities. And as you go up the ladder, you you get mentors and you coach and people sort of say, mm, tone it down a bit, Deborah. Um, you need to sort of learn to play the game. And playing that game, hearing that so often, that really annoyed me because I really believe in the essence of a person and people being unique. And so as I did go up that ladder, I learned to go laterally, get all the qualifications that you need, uh, um, you know, several degrees, and I've done every course and imaginable. But the essence of the person who I was really deep down never changed. And so it was only when you get to be a principal that you can really give yourself permission to be the bring out those uniqueness, bring out the humour, bring out education, the passion the guts. And so I, I do consider myself the unconventional leader. And really, the more I delved into it, who really is conventional anyway? Mm, yeah, what is the model that we should have? And the other thing that was interesting for me just before I even started, A to Z, I thought, ah, now there's a teacher who taught kids the <laughs> alphabet once upon a time. We we cannot get away from the alphabet and, and you structured along A to Z. Was any particular letter more difficult to find the subheadings for than others or not? Uh, more, towards the tail end, well, there were, throughout my career, I sort of had this inbox to the left of my emails, and it's, it, it, it was titled Life After Teaching. And I put all my sort of life experiences into, the, into that box, and when I have recently retired, I've opened them all up. 
And they're all learnings. And I, I gradually noticed that um, to do something sequential and all right, um, in a linear, lineal format, we as teachers like to start from the beginning to the end. So I was able to put them in, in that was an easy format for me. And I find as I go out to schools and I talk about it, um, the audience relates easy, easier to that as well. Obviously, the A's and the, the Q's, the quirky, the Z zone staying, they were a little bit difficult, but I was able to customise something from one of my experiences into the, the letter of the alphabet. Mm. And 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 the way you've set it out, um, well, we're not going to go through this. People need to buy it and read it. But um, the the little subheadings under all of them, I'll I'll just read a couple of words for one underneath. Uh, let's pick one out here. W. Now I'm a school principal, and I'm a male, and I'm reading through this book. I come to W, and I go wardrobe women wonder moments. And I think, well, that is an unconventional way of looking at W. I could have put. Uh, work, you know, and things like that. Um, but uh, but the one I, I, I go, I, I always read a book in different parts. I don't always read books sequentially. So I went to the very last page. If you take one message from this book, and I must say, Deborah, I have to confess, very difficult to take one message from your book. There's so many valuable ones. I'll quote you. Let it be to never sacrifice your own health and well-being for any leadership aspiration. Um, some t principals and teachers find that an extremely difficult thing to do. Yeah, and yes, Henry, and that's the purpose of my book. It's that I've actually lived this, the experience of being a principal in three schools. And I wanted to share something with it, with with my with the audience and my readers, but I, I love teaching. I I have a passion for it. I love being around students. I loved. I was a good leader. I was a very um, you know I've, I I was the principal of the, one of the largest schools in Victoria. But what I didn't know I was doing was that I was waking at 6am in the morning and going to bed at 10pm and my head was totally devoted to what was happening in my school. And it only allowed my body eight hours to reset. And as you know, principals wake up at 3.33, and our, our minds tick back into what's happening at school today. What conversation will I have? Um, what will I do here? And I find I didn't notice it, but even though I was loving what I was doing and I was going up the ladder, I was, I was having success, I was transforming schools, um, I, I, I was a good principal, I didn't know what was happening to my body. And unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way. I got breast cancer in the end of 2002, and more recently, in March 2019, I was having a stroke. I had a stroke while at school on the PA, only to find out later on I had a tumour on my thyroid, hole in the heart. So... The best advice I could have, yes, love, do, do what you do and do it well, but tune into your body and stay emotionally, tune in. What are you feeling? When do you need a rest? When do you need to go laterally to take time to recoup, to recharge? 
don't devote yourself, throw yourself wholeheartedly because unfortunately what I did, I dodged two bullets and I'm still here, I'm still alive to be able to tell it. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's a point that uh, for some people, they leave that too late. Now, in your book, you talk about my story. You you give us um, you give us the framework of of your family and your background, and it's it's pretty um, it's a pretty honest. And at times, I'd say for for all of us, you know, we've all faced different things uh, and know different things about our family. Um, some of that you've had your share of harrowing moments in your family. The purpose of putting that part in the book. Yeah, that was that was very confronting, Henry. And the more I delved into a family, as we all do, we we uncover skeletons. And I noticed that, um, but I do believe it's important to my readers to understand, well, tell us a little bit about your life. Where did you come from? Because it's those life experiences and those childhood experiences that, to a certain extent, they don't define us as an adult because we then are able to make um, better choices. We're in more, we're supposed to be um, in control more of our life. But uh, my, I come from a um, – dad was in the Navy. We moved around 14 different um, houses. I knew what it was like to start a new school, only to be picked out that you were different, to be bullied, to be teased, then to go on, pack our suitcases and go to the next place. So for me, it was – education was very, very important. And it was two teachers – in my transient life, one in year, Form 1, Year 7, and another one in Year 12, who actually took me aside and said, Deborah, for some reason we don't know why, but you've missed out certain um, steps in your your educational career. And a simple one was you, you don't even know how to write, put verbs into sentences. And if those teachers hadn't taken me aside, patched me up a little bit, told me where to improve, I most definitely would never have gone to university and eventually became become a principal. So um, knowing where you come from and meeting those people along the way, it can help you be um, the person you are. So I never forgot those um, treasured moments. And it was about giving back to people and putting yourself out for others who were less fortunate. Because it doesn't matter just because you bought you, you you're born into um, my parents weren't very wealthy and we lived in that the high-rise flats in Fitzroy just because you live there doesn't deny you the experience of of aiming for an educational degree and for me it, the my challenges they just made me fight even harder to be successful in my career now, there's so many bits, we're only going to pick a few, but I'll, I've picked out this uh, under the letter A, um, and I could have gone straight to accountability because that's a topic and three quarters for everybody, and it's well worth a read. I went to alcoholism and <laughs> only because, only because when I first became, I've never been a big drinker, but only because when I first became a principal, I was very lucky to have a wise mentoring uh, principal, senior principal, who shared his wisdom with me, and he told me a story of how um, how a lesson he learned because he was a big drinker when he was working in New York as a liaison officer with the head of the the ABC, and uh, I I couldn't help but think 
take the message in yours. Now, we need to take a short break. When we come back, you might like to share your wisdom on alcoholism with our, uh, as per your book, with, uh, with our listeners. Can you hold the line? Most definitely. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosseck. I'm in the middle of a discussion with Deborah Patterson, who's just authored Passion, Guts and Leadership, an A to Z for the Unconventional Education Leader. And we left on the note of we'd come back and talk about a little subtopic there called alcoholism after the break. And I must confess, I didn't have a drink during the break. Did you, Deborah? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> It'll your, be wine o'clock soon. Wine o'clock shortly. Um, the message on alcoholism in your book to readers. Well, as you know, uh, I was brought up with two parents that actually drank quite a lot. So I was exposed to alcohol from a very early age. But it actually, what it actually did was put me off alcohol and as, but I noticed when I was um, as a teacher and as a leader and more so as a principal, alcoholism sort of raised its ugly head every now and then, I, I suppose, at the odd social function, the star function and conferences and things like that. And for a woman, it was always seen as a little bit of a, de- a, a, a no-no that you weren't allowed to have too much to drink and, you know, had to behave yourself. But it seemed to be okay for some other people. And in particular, then I noticed um, it was really one of a member that came on as on my senior team. And I noticed that when we were out at functions, he would excessively drink and drink and drink and drink and make a, a, an absolute fool of himself. And to the point that I had to actually say to him, um, you know, you're a reflection of, of me as a principal and of our school and of the education department. And it's important as as leaders that we live the values of integrity, honesty and respect. And, and not that I'm a, a perfect, um, you know, martyr in that sense, but I just found that it, it's really important that you that you manage your you're able to control your drink and then I didn't and to a certain in good stead he he actually did decline in drinking so much but I could tell he had an issue and the people if you have an issue with alcohol or recreational drugs or with any vice Teaching is a very difficult profession to be in because how could you live that sort of life and then turn up and um, teach a class and throw your whole self into it knowing that you have a dependency on certain drugs? And so for me, um, alcoholism, recreational drugs um, was always an important issue and it was something that I had to constantly keep a a lookout with, with some of my staff. Mm, that's a good one. Now, there's one further down. I think it's on page 103, and this is one that I think um, we all start out with. This probably in almost in many jobs, and teaching is one where it's so crucial. But people can run out of this one. Um, what's your advice on what uh, whether the heading in your book, passion? You definitely have to have or, or every person, every child, every adult. Uh, I don't care what people say, they do have unique qualities and strengths and there's something that everybody is good at. And if you get to to run with a passion that you really love, oh, 
it, it you exude that aura about yourself. And teaching was something, engaging with students, um, a quote that I use, a caring teacher touches many hearts. And so having a passion and having and do and being able to go to work and being paid for it, gee, that was the ideal um, job. But there are people who just go into teaching not so much nowadays, although you, there, there are still some, you can tell the passionate teachers, the dedicated. They'll give up their lunchtime and recesses to make sure that that child is who is on level literacy level two but must be at literacy level five by the end of the year, they'll give up their time at recess and lunchtimes to make sure that they can hear children um, reading. And to pick up those type of teachers that have that moral purpose and passion, they're the gems. They're the golden tickets to your teaching and to your school and, more importantly, to the students. But there are those that think they can turn up at, at 9 o'clock and go home at half past three and to them it's a job and they don't have that passion. They're very lacklustre and I actually call them the beige people, you know, Miss Beige and Mr Beige. Mr Dull, they're dull, they're boring, they're beige. They, they're just taking up time. And what I try to do is raise the bar for them. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You work really hard to try and upskill them as much as possible. And maybe a bit of my energy and a bit of my passion will rub off onto them. But as long as I was a principal of a school who I believed in purposeful, passionate teachers, then that was an account, that was a level of benchmark that I expected of, of those that work with me. And if you didn't like it and you didn't have the passion, um, bow out, get out of here, go somewhere else or hopefully a different profession because, for me, I did, I did not settle for anything less for my student but passionate, dedicated and committed teachers. You're dead right. If we can't get up there with enthusiasm, how can we expect mm -hmm. to inspire children? Now, I reckon this one um, could have fitted under a completely different uh, letter. Uh, I'm going to read you out a sentence. I like, to, I like a bit of um, intrigue and keeping people mm. dangling. But this could have, could have appeared under H for hope. Um, um, it could have been under A for ambition. It could have been S for surprise um, but you put this under teachers and I'll read the sentence to you how does one go from a shy child who disliked reading, writing and public speaking to a successful author, mentor, motivational public speaker and leader of one of the largest government primary schools in Victoria without giving the whole piece away now that could have been under hope uh, Potential is a lot of words. You pick teachers. Tell us a bit about why you spoke about that. Because teachers can make, they can draw something out of you. They see something. And again, I go back to that quote of uh, I self-taught: "A caring teacher touches many hearts." Now, if a teacher could see that in me, and as I said, it was a year, my year five. My, my year seven and in one particular my year 12. They could see something in me that I didn't know was there and bring that out. And that to me is a skill that it, when you see a teacher do that, 
And I'm sure all of us, you ask a lot of successful people, yeah, all right, you may have, you may have been brought up with an, in an entitled family and you, you had a lot of opportunities. I didn't. But I tell you what, some people saw that in me and if they saw it in me, it gave me confidence. And then my self-confidence, at that exudes success. So it's sort of a cycle. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful for teachers. And as I said, many of us as parents, all we want are good teachers for our students. But I tell you what, they're the key. If that person can draw something out of those children, if they can get them to their, identify where they are at, and they can get them to um, 12 or whatever, more 12 to 18 months growth in the year that they go into their class. Now, time's on the wing. One last one. I do love, um, I do love lovely metaphors uh, and imagery, and I couldn't help but be drawn. I went to the letter Y, and you've only got one one subtopic in there, but it's called <laughs> yellow sunflowers. And I thought, what on earth is yellow sunflowers? Must be a metaphor. Got to do with passion, guts, and leadership. But uh, it's a good, it's a good point you make. You love yellow sunflowers and the colour. You were even born yellow, weren't you? Jaundiced or something? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, gee, you, you've read the book. Well, um, yes, I have. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm forever grateful. My father, um, as a naval officer, but unfortunately um, his father died early and his mother said, you've got to go out to work. And Dad always um, wanted his children to go to university and do well. But when he was 12, he brought me home a book and it was, um, you know, a book of art, artistic sort of images. But it was the sunflowers, the Van Gogh that I... I, I don't know why, but it made an impact so much so that I actually took my two granddaughters to the National Gallery of Australia in Canberra when the Van Gogh exhibition was there and the Bocelli. But it, it is. It's yellow, is bright, it's happy, it exudes. So I try and wear as much as bright colours for the students because, you know, as we know, uh, the boys – you know, too many of our schools are very plain, very dull. We use the Hampton colours and things like that. But boys in education are stimulated by the yellows, the orange, the blues, the ochres, and the girls the more pastel colours. But if you can, um, if you can visually excite someone or greet someone at the door uh, with a bright colour, a smile on your face, and as those children walk into the classroom and it, it, it's colourful, it's bright, it's engaging, then the, the sky's the limit. And I just, I, I, I'm actually sitting in my office, my home office, and I've got three yellow flowers sitting on my windowsill <laughs> now. They just inspire me. Absolutely, and you're living the model. Look, there's so much more. It's a great book, um, Deborah, and I think it's a valuable contribution from somebody uh, on the inside who's lived it all and lived it all successfully, and it hasn't all been a breeze. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on that and also thank you um, for your contribution. I think this is a book a lot of people will read and gain a lot from, uh, and, and your contribution to our profession over so long, Deborah, it's been outstanding. And thank you, Henry. You yourself have put back into education and it's a pleasure to be on the radio station. I feel honoured to be interviewed by you. And, yes, it's an easy read, Passion, Guts and Leadership. 
um, go out and buy it for your for your Christmas presents. Absolutely, it's out there now, and it's uh, it's been published by Amber Press.